We're glad you've joined us today on the Christian Ministries Church podcast. We believe you'll hear a message that will minister to you and encourage you in your walk with Christ. Let's listen now to the message. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. What a wonderful message. Let's turn in our Bibles to 1 Chronicles chapter 12. Father, I love you so much. Thank you for these precious people. Thank you that you've not forgotten us. You've not forsaken us. And it doesn't matter if we're in the middle of nowhere. We can get anywhere from here, Father. And so I just thank you for what you're doing in the middle of nowhere. Thank you for this pastor and his precious wife and the courage of their convictions, the loyalty to their passion, you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for changing hearts. Thank you for saving lives and souls and saving our country. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, I want to share on culture and how that God has called us to, again, be a counter culture. And your culture is not just what you believe. Our families have a culture. Our churches have a culture. Communities have a culture. You, you could spend just hours and hours on culture in general. But to make this simple for the weekend, our culture is not just what we believe. Our culture is how we behave. How we behave. Until what you believe changes how you behave, your belief is in vain. In vain. And our churches are full of people that say they believe the right things, but are doing the wrong things and embracing the wrong things. And we need to see the church awakened. When I was writing the book Counterculture, the Lord spoke to me right in the middle of the manuscript that there wasn't a great awakening coming but that the great awakening had begun. The great awakening has begun. And when there's an awakening historically, those involved in it do not even know they're in the middle of it till it's almost over, till it's almost over and history begins to record it. We're making history no matter how you feel. God is working no matter how it looks. And you may feel like a silo of truth and a mere echo, echo chamber in a world that has gone mad in a world that has literally lost their minds, many people are sitting in churches, good people, and they're confused, and they're wondering, is marriage really what the Bible says it is? Are there really just two genders? And on and on I could go with things that are offensive to the rebellious and the disobedient, the Bible says. And so we have to be a people that love the truth, that embrace the truth, and that even if it makes us uncomfortable, because the truth will make you at times uncomfortable, we can only be set free by the truth, yes, by the truth, and knowing the truth. And so what does God say about culture? What does God say about our influence in culture? This is the scripture the Lord gave me that was a part of, I believe, the beginning of the Great Awakening, and I am seeing churches begin to emerge finally. I'm seeing ministries that no one knows begin to emerge. I'm seeing unknowns become known because of their passion for Jesus, because of their loyalty to Jesus. Let me just tell you something real quick. We live in a church culture, capital C at large, that is not loyal to Jesus. They're married to everything but the Lord. And when it comes to push and shove, they get shoved. And they refuse to push back on the culture today, not realizing the deadliness that we're facing. We are truly in a crisis. Whether you know it or not, we're in a warfare. And you may not be engaged, but that doesn't change the reality of this warfare and this cultural war that's real and that a lot is at stake. And this is the word the Lord gave me, and I believe you're a part of that. I don't believe I'm here by accident. Uh, Jill is persuasive, uh, and I'm just glad I'm standing up straight tonight, hallelujah. Sometimes I get up on Monday, and I'm just glad there's not a chalk line around me, amen? And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, this is David going to war, and he's, he's drawing from all the different tribes of Israel their skill set. Each tribe offered something unique to a battle to ensure a victory. And whether we're going to understand this fully or not, we are still, within even the church at large, tribal. 
we have different tribes. It doesn't mean we're not of the New Jerusalem. It doesn't mean we're not of the house of God. But we do have different tribes that offer different things to spiritual warfare, to this battle that's very, very, very real. And so he's gathering these skill sets from each tribe and the sons of Issachar is who God spoke to me out of in regards to the Great Awakening. It says in verse 32 of the sons of Issachar who have understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. Their chiefs were 200 and all their brethren were at their command. There were four things that came out of my prayer time in my seeking of God to, to be relevant. Uh, I, I want my life to count. Uh, many of you, most of you don't know me, but in January of 2020, I died. I had a conversation with Jesus. It was, it was awesome. And one of the things that fascinated me was that I, I only had one question face-to-face with the Lord, and that was, am I done? Because I wasn't sure if I was done, and I wanted to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter on into the joy of the Lord. Some of you, you're going to meet the Lord, and he's going to look at you and go, well, you're done. (laughs) And so I was just amazed Once I got back into my body and began to process why I only ask one question. And I really believe that you're all going to meet the Lord and you're going to give an account for your life. And God has a plan for your life. And you want to fulfill that plan. And so I'm thinking, am I done? He says, well, you're not done. But I don't have time to explain this. I'm on a rabbit trail already. But... The bottom line was the love and acceptance was overwhelming. The peace I had was overwhelming. And even though he told me I'm not done, he gave me a choice to stay and he would be happy with me or to come back and he would be be happy with me. Man, you want to make sure you fulfill the will of God in your life and God's plan, plan for your life. Again, in retrospect, I'm thinking I could have asked Jesus anything. I could have asked him Why women think the way they think. (laughs) I could have asked him, what are the consequences of of a fraudulent election? I could have asked a lot of stuff. And so in coming back, realizing I'm not done, what does done mean now? He didn't tell me what I had to do. How many of you know you have to mix faith With the word of God and the will of God. And I'm mixing faith with the word and will of God. And I know part of being done is we're in the beginning of a great awakening. And there are churches that are waking up. There are churches that are going to emerge. That are going to have an impact in their cities. An impact in their county. An impact in their state. And I believe believe the country. I believe God's glory is coming back to the house of the Lord and the Lord will be revealed and we will see signs and wonders and miracles and and God's kind of holiness not this stuff some of us grew up in Pentecostal holiness I'm not making fun of your group if you're Pentecostal holiness but I was raised in Pentecostal holiness and a lot of what was called holiness was culture it was culture. It wasn't the holiness of the Lord. I remember the first time I did a, a, a search in the scriptures on holiness and I saw the word, the beauty of his holiness. I'd never heard that. Anytime I heard about holiness, you better duck, hallelujah. <laughs> there was no beauty to the holiness of the Lord. And I'm telling you, his holiness is beautiful. It doesn't look anything like that house that has already disappeared. All right, four things that are going to be happening in our churches and that leaders need to be aware of that are going to be a part of the sons of Issachar. Number one, they knew the signs of the times. Brothers and sisters, I love you, but the lack of discernment in the body of Christ is alarming. How we could go through this pandemic and have so little discernment, how how we could be as fearful as the world was, in even facing death 
uh, I had people get all over me and in, in my face that don't you know you could die? And I would have to say, no, I know I'm going to die. Yeah. Second, I've already died. It's not half bad. <laughs> Amen. And we're all afraid and, and, and we're losing our freedoms. We don't have eye. We don't understand the times. We don't see what Satan is doing. There's some of you that have no idea of the pastors that were arrested for obeying God. For not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. But gathering and provoking one another now to love and to good, and to good, and to good works. And, and, and pastors are being imprisoned. Uh, churches are even trying to meet in the parking lot. And the government is fining the parishioners for being in a parking lot. Worshiping God while Walmart parking lot is full. And you can't see this. And I'm going to be getting into some things that hopefully won't offend you. Some of you, I love you, but you're offended already. And I'm just going to bring it to your attention. Uh, because it's not in my heart to offend anybody. But we're so offended. We've taken up the offenses of the world, brought them into the church. And now we've lost our identity. And we don't even discern the times. We don't even realize what's happening to our children. What's being imposed on our children? Pornography. Grooming them for pedophilia. It's horrible. And there's no discernment. Secondly, he said that they would, number one, they would, they would understand the times. And then number two, they would know what Israel ought to do. We don't need to just recognize the problems. We need some answers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need God's wisdom. Yeah. And this is going to be a season for those that love Jesus, for those that are loyal to Jesus, for those that, that are born again truly and, and filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and they've been saved by the blood of the Lamb. And now they have the word of their testimony. Listen, and they love not their own lives unto death. This is how we overcome the devil. is by the blood of the Lamb. That's grace, what Jesus did for you. The word of your testimony, that's faith. And now you don't love your life unto death. We, we get bummed out when someone defriends us on Facebook. Much less willing to lay our lives down for this man named Jesus. And so we have a long way to go. We've got ground to, 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 to buy back, to redeem back, to catch back up. But I believe God's going to do a quick work. Awakenings take around 30 to 40 years to materialize and affect culture. Politics is downstream from culture. Culture is downstream from our churches. And we're worried about our politics trying to change our politics when we're not repenting in our churches and we're not changing our culture. These politicians would not be voting the way they're voting if they were kicked out of power. If people would be offended about the right things, I guarantee you if the culture was embracing truth and God's moral law that never changes, then you would see the politics change. And so we have to get back to this understanding of culture and, and leaders emerging that know what Israel, what the new Jerusalem now that's in the earth needs to, needs to do. Number three, there were only 200 of them. Listen, they were a minority. Don't feel bad if you feel like a minority. God has always used the minority. God doesn't work and isn't even moved by the majority. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves, repent of their sins, I'll hear from heaven and I will heal their land. He didn't even mention those that aren't his people. There's always been a remnant. And while there's, there's no arrogance or pride in being perhaps a part of a remnant, there is accountability and responsibility of being a remnant. And a minority with God is a majority in the spiritual battle. In 2 Kings chapter 6, Elisha has a, has a servant, Gehazi, with him. And Ahab is, is pursuing them and sent armies, an entire army after them. And, and they're in a tent and they're surrounded by army, an army of soldiers to capture him. And he gets up 
with the, with the servant. And, and the servant looks around and he panics. And, and, and Elisha says, don't worry about it. There's more that's with us than with them. And, and Gehazi goes, one, two. Army. And it's interesting, Elisha didn't ask for his eyes to be open. He had faith. He knew the, the angels of the Lord had been given charge over him and that the armies of heaven are real. And he said, Lord, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened his eyes and he saw the heavens with angels and chariots of fire. Hallelujah. We have lost faith in this high-tech information revolution. And as was stated, we have access to national news that generations have never had, world news that generations have never had, and we're consuming, many of us innocently, things that are producing doubt and unbelief in our life, and we think a minority is not enough. God is not through with his church. Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of woke won't prevail against it. (laughs) Boy, I'm in a... I'm in a friendly place. This is this feels a little rare, but the bottom line is there were only 200 of them, but number 4 it says that the commanders were at their command. That's influence. That's influence. God is going to use you as an influencer in ways you never dreamed. We've got to get past this guy on the stage is going to change the world. Or President Trump is going to save us. Or this Congress will make a difference. I'm not saying we don't get involved to a measure politically. I'm saying that we have to believe that we have influence in my home. My children listen to me more than they do the 6 o'clock news. More than they do the school board. More than they do Joe Biden. You are the influence and primary influence of your children. And don't let the, the horror stories you hear about children turning on their parents dissuade you from raising your children and giving them moral law and teaching them the difference between rule and law. And so you're the influencer in your home. You, you can be the influencer in your school. You can get on school boards. It says they knew what Israel ought to do. God is going to be giving us assignments. He's going to be not just encouraging us so we can have duck bumps, but so that we can make a difference. We've lost our identity. And I've spent my entire adult life teaching identity. And that was the revelation I had. Again, most of you don't know me, but in 1980, I had an open vision of the cross. And I literally saw Jesus on the cross. But I saw me in him. And I saw my sins come on him. And the father judge him in my place. And when he died, I died. Right there on the cross. And when he was buried, I was buried. And when he was raised, I was raised. But it was a different me that was raised than the me that died on the cross. And then he ascended. And I ascended. Then he was seated and I was seated. And that was when I didn't see me in him. I saw me beside him. And he looked over at me and said, we will rule and reign together forever. That's my whole message is identity and who we are in Christ. And yet, while I've seen many individuals recover in their identity, what about our identity as a church? Satan has skillfully. You talk about an identity crisis. In our young people? Oh, no, no. Our churches are more confused in identity and who they are than a, than a, a young person going to school believing they're a cat. Many people go to church believing they're something they're not. And you think there aren't consequences to that? Our nation is suffering. Our states are suffering. Our counties are suffering because we don't know who we are. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through 16 says, You, we, not individually, we are the salt of the earth, the light of the world. If we knew our identity, the light of the world, why wouldn't we encourage every preacher that's shining the light on all this darkness in our world? It's because we don't know who we are. We don't even think the preacher should address truth versus lies. God's righteousness versus Man's righteousness. 
etc., etc. He went on to say, we're a city set on a hill. The hill we're set on is Zion. We're not, we're not set on Sinai and law that kills. We're set on, on Zion, the mountain of grace. And within the grace message, Titus chapter 2 verse 11 says, The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, and it teaches us that we are to live godly, soberly, righteously in this world, looking for our Lord and Savior. Grace doesn't loose me to sin. Grace looses me in sin to run to Jesus who's full of grace and mercy and help me get out of it. Amen. We've lost our identity. Matthew chapter 11 verse 12 says, The kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, but the violent take it by force. The New Living Translation says that the kingdom of God is being forcefully uh, progressed and violent people are attacking it. We are so backslidden. I love you. I'm not trying to condemn anybody. But we are so backslidden that we don't even realize that all of this foolishness is a, an attack on the kingdom of God. God's rule in the earth. We say Jesus is Lord. We say we're in his kingdom and his kingdom is in us. And there's a king in every kingdom. Jesus is the king. And he has authority and rule. He rules. And yet everything is ruling even in the church but the Lord Jesus Christ. Can you imagine after the resurrection in Revelation chapter 2 and in Revelation chapter 5? John has to write letters to seven churches and five out of the seven had to repent. Only two were not corrected. Smyrna and Philadelphia. The other five were called to repent. Churches repent. There's doctrines flying around, I'm going, where people are saying, well, we don't have to repent anymore in the church. Jesus didn't know that, bless his heart. When he was raised from the dead, he told five out of the seven, if you don't repent, I'm going to put your lamp out. What good are we? But to be trod under the foot of men, evidently, because we've lost our savor. We're the lampstand in this city. Yeah, but I don't like what you're saying. I know it. Repent. Yeah, but I think you're wrong. I know it. Repent. Amen. Go to Acts 17. And I don't want to cause problems. I want to, I want to help. But it's really hard to do that just in a couple of hours. Uh. But if you, if you begin to engage in the culture, Satan has skillfully hijacked the definition of morals and stuck politics to it to silence the church. See, as soon as you try to deal with something that's life, it's life. It's not politics. He's getting political because the devil has figured out that through government hijacking of the moral high ground that is actually immoral, he can silence the church by saying we don't want to be political. Every issue. Sorry for the S. Every issue. That we're facing today. Is addressed in the kingdom of God. God's government. In Acts. Paul and Silas are. Are coming to Thessalonica. And these are some incredible statements. Verse, verse 5. But the Jews who were not persuaded, Paul would go into the synagogues, places of worship, and persuade them of who Jesus was, primarily the Messiah, and then God's moral laws. See, there was, there was praise the Lord, there was, there was moral law before the law, moral law under the law, and moral law after the law. Come on. They're laws. It was just as wrong to commit adultery before the law. As adultery under the law. And it's still wrong to commit adultery after the law. 
what's been, what's been fulfilled, Jesus said, don't think, Matthew 5, 17, don't think that I come to destroy the law. I didn't come to destroy it. I come to fulfill it. There's, there's a whole series on, well, what does he mean fulfill it? Obviously, he fulfilled the types and shadows. He brought substance to all the pictures. He also fulfilled God's wrath and curses for any disobedience of the law. That's what I saw on the cross. And while God's not killing you for having adultery, can I get a witness? Adultery will kill you. Amen? While murder, and God was merciful to even the first murderer came before the law, it had consequences. Under the law, it was a capital offense. Now under grace, it's not a capital offense by God in New Testament grace. But can I get a witness? Murder's still wrong? What is so hard about this? There's nothing hard about it unless you're listening to the 6 o'clock news every day. Unless you come to church for 45 minutes, get a little poem and a song, and then saturate your, your heart with the foolishness of the world. I, I've got to hurry. This, I've got some really good things here. But the Jews who were not persuaded, becoming envious, took some of the evil men from the marketplace. They went out. And rented a mob. The summer of love is in the Bible. Y'all don't know what the summer of love was? What a deception. I mean, I, I, I can't watch news at large. Even Fox. I mean, there's just so much I can take. And, and, and somehow or another, I see this clip uh, uh, with the... A, a car on fire, a building on fire, and the anchor is saying uh, that the protest here is mostly peaceful. Yeah. Yeah. You do think we're idiots. Yeah. 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 Look, look they, they went and gathered some evil men from the marketplace and gathered a mob, set all the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason. And sought to bring them out. That's Paul and Silas. And they were in Jason's house. He had a house church. He says, but when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, these who have turned the world upside down have come among us. Be honest. Are we turning the world upside down? Or has the world turned us upside down? Something's got to change. It can't go on. There's a collapse coming. And, and without a great awakening, without a revival even in the church, then there's some things I see coming that for 40 years I've been accurate in what God shows me on the horizon that are not pretty and we're not prepared. He says that these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Now, how did they turn the world upside down? What made them world upside down changers? It wasn't because they were politically correct. It wasn't because they were woke. Listen at this. Jason has harbored them. And they are all, and they are all acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar. They're not compliant to government rule. And when obedience to government demands disobedience to God, I must obey God. When government edicts declare immorality, I have to be faithful to the edicts of Jesus. How did they do it? Look at this. It's right here in the Bible. Saying there is another king, Jesus. Caesar was the most powerful government official on the planet. And they were going around saying, Caesar is not king. Caesar is not Lord. Caesar doesn't have final authority. And Caesar himself will give an account to the true and the living God, Jesus Christ. They would have been canceled. I mean, I got canceled on so many different social media platforms. And then when I wasn't getting canceled, avoiding the algorithms and this AI demon, they would flag me. 
And I would try to investigate, what am I getting flagged for? Why am I being declared by the, by the Silicon tech gods that I'm spreading misinformation? What they deem misinformation is the Bible. That's what we're, we're in the dark. We're in a drunken stupor. It's like we have no idea what's going on here. I had so many flags and I'd find out, well, it's because I, I even asked questions about the election. It was because uh, I wasn't going to let the boys go in the girls' restroom. I, I think I have a responsibility to protect the girls. And, and we're just not going to do that. It, it was because I believe a marriage is between a man and... It was all Bible. This is what confounds me about the church. Where are we at, saints? Do we still believe Jesus goes to church? Do we still believe he walks up and down the aisles? Do we believe he knows what's going on here? Like he did at Smyrna and Philadelphia and the church at Ephesus and the church at... Is he not here? Amen. I believe he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Again... So many flags, I thought I was running for president for a while there. <laughs> Just everywhere I went, flags. <laughs> Sorry. Go to Genesis chapter 2. We've become, whether we want to admit it or not, a subculture, not a counterculture. A subculture is a culture that has character traits and values that run parallel with a dominant culture. There's a, there's a dominant American culture. And there were a lot of cultures that fit right under as a subculture that run parallel with the American culture. And what's happened is... We've, we've experienced, as a nation founded on Judeo-Christian principles, and, and 200 years, we've experienced the church being the dominant culture. I mean, I'm not very old, and I remember the, the dominant culture of the church when I was growing up. If you look at most churches, the older churches, not churches like ours that have been birthed recently, but if you look, if you look back at the churches, they were all in the center of town. Why were the churches in the center of town? Because the whole town rotated around the church. I'm not, I'm not, I've got a new book coming out, Rhythms of Grace, and I deal with the Sabbath, and I deal with how important a physical Sabbath is to you, but how that we don't worship a day, we worship Jesus who is our Sabbath, and, and, and yet I do remember when Sunday Everything was closed. That wasn't by accident. That was a culture. And I know there were extremes. Calling Sunday the Sabbath when it wasn't the Sabbath. We had to fix all that stuff. I grew up where on Sunday you couldn't eat ice cream. Like ice cream's okay six days a week. And you can't eat it on, on Sunday. So we had some issues. I'm trying to make a point about culture. The culture had to be a subculture to us. And we took it for granted. And we went to sleep. And today we wake up and we're not the dominant culture. Amen or oh me. And yet the church is trying to fit in. We're trying to be this subculture to get just just. Just get along and go along and, 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 and be nice. And I'm not saying we shouldn't be kind. That's a fruit of the Spirit. But when are we awakened that God has called us to be the dominant culture? And, and you can't do that by being a subculture. You can only do that the way the early church did it, a counterculture. See, some of you, I love you, you're young, you have no idea the price that was paid for the freedom we have under God. You have no idea the concept of the founding fathers. They've been maligned, hated, lied upon, attacked, falsely accused. And you got young people coming up that think our, 
our, our nation is systemically racist, which is a, a lie out of the pit of the pit of hell. You've got conversations going on that won't matter a year from now, and the major conversations of our lives are neglected and overlooked. That's why something like what we're doing is is valuable. And I'm I'm actually taking too much time trying to 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 warm the water uh, because we need to weigh in to some of these. Some of these issues and what does God really say? What does he really mean? And how do we apply this now to, to our homes first, our hearts first, but our homes, our churches, and then we impact, impact the community. There's a war, whether you understand it or not, that's very real and the consequences are dire. We're not just going to lose our country. We're going to lose the freedom of our religion. We're going to lose the freedom to assemble and God was so good to us with COVID-19. It was such a gift. I'm not saying God did it. I'm not saying it came from God. I'm saying God didn't leave me. I don't know where he was in your life during COVID-19. But he was speaking to me and he was showing me this is what's coming. And that if my people can't even understand what a marriage is. If they can't understand male and female, if they're so deceived, they can't understand male and female gender and gender assignment and who assigns your gender. Then how will they overcome with what God has already promised will come upon the earth, these great delusions? We've got a president that doesn't know what a woman is. 50 years ago? If you'd have woke up and said, and heard said, we're going to elect a president that doesn't know what a marriage is, doesn't know what a male and a female is, doesn't know what a woman is, a wo- how, what greater deception can you submit to than not knowing what a woman is? A woman is a female adult with two chromosome genetic codes with a, a womb that gives life and sustains life that we all owe a debt of gratitude, respect, and honor to. Her brain capacity is twice that of her male counterpart. And she is never, ever wrong in all of God's creation. I want to be a woman too! That was funny. What, what's really going on? Is this a war? Now, I love you. Don't answer these questions out loud. Let me answer the questions. It works better that way. Is this a war between Democrats and Republican? How slow can you be? Is this a war between liberal and conservative? Is this a war even between good and evil? I remember when the Lord spoke to me and said, you're not, you're not battling. Part of me not being done is the revelation of he's got me here for a season and that I'm not battling good and evil. Lord, what do you mean I'm not battling good and evil? That's the cosmic war of the universe of all ages. And God says, no, you're, you're not battling good and evil You're battling man's definition of good versus God's definition of good. You have a generation. God says you have a generation coming up that has been taught to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that leads to death. This, I'm not putting anybody down for your gadgets. I have one. I preach out of my... My phone, because of all the different translations, I like a lot of different translations. When I'm ministering, things come to me, and so I'm not putting anybody down. But there's a reason why there's an apple with a bite out of it. We are facing, and we will face, artificial intelligence that could be the demise of the entire human race. 
I did a, a published an article um, this week. And it was on marriage. And it was on gender assignment. And what is, what is the attack on marriage? We, we're so slow in the church, we get, into, we get drug into these debates on marriage. And marriage between a man and a woman, or two men, or two, two, two women. And, and we, don't, we don't, where's our discernment? The attack on marriage is an attack on the gospel. Because marriage is not about marriage. Marriage is about Christ and the church. And it's a great mystery between a husband as a type of Christ. And a wife as a type of the church. And Satan hates the church. And so he wants to raise an entire generation. That has had their minds. Polluted. With the image of husband and wife. So that he can destroy their image of Christ and the church. So I'm writing. Marriage is between a man and a woman. Our gender assignment is from God according to Moses. And according to Jesus in Mark chapter 10. I hear preachers say Jesus didn't deal with these issues. What Bible have we not read? Mark chapter 10. Jesus said. Answering their questions about marriage and divorce. And he said, from the beginning it was not so. Moses gave you a letter of divorcement because of the hardness of your hearts. But from the beginning it was not so. He went back to the beginning. Adam and Eve. And he said, God created them male and female. And for this cause. A man shall leave his father, that's a boy. And his mother, that's a girl. And be joined unto his, that's a boy, wife, that's a girl. Jesus said, your gender assignment is not only from God. He told you why he made you male and female. It's for marriage. Why is gender confusion exploding? It's demonic. And Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 28, God made us in his image and in his likeness. He made us male and female. Male and female is man. Man is created in the image and in the likeness of God. And man is not male alone. Man is male and female. And it's male and female that reflect the image of God. What's Satan doing to our kids? He's destroying the image of God in their minds. And we're sitting here really wavering. Are there two genders? Where was I going before I got on track? I know I went to Genesis. I'm talking about the tree of the oak. That our battle is between man's definition of good versus God's definition of good. Because Isaiah said there'll come a day, Isaiah 5.20, Woe unto you who call good evil and evil good. Who replace darkness for light and light for darkness. Bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. That's the, that's the time we woke up in. The time warp. The demonic time warp that we all woke up in the middle of today. Is everything that God says is good, the world says is evil. And everything the world says is good, God says is evil. And what is it? They're eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In Genesis chapter 2. Of every tree of the garden. Verse 15. Of every tree of the garden. You may freely eat. But of the tree. Of the, of the knowledge of good and evil. You shall not eat. For in the day you eat of it. You shall surely die. One of the many things I struggled with coming up in church as a teenager was just I I couldn't process things. I would hear the preacher say things and I couldn't understand it. Some of that's just immaturity. There's things a five-year-old just can't understand until they're a certain age. So some of it may have been my age. uh, But, I mean, there would be things said and this scripture would be quoted. And I remember sitting there as a teenager going, what's wrong with that? What's so bad about the knowledge of good and evil. And, and I would ask out loud. In church. 
God, do you not want me to know good and evil? What was the sin? What made it a sin? First of all, I've said it, so I'm not being critical. But many times we talk about original sin and we go to Adam and Eve and we talk about original sin. But original sin didn't start here with Adam and Eve. Original sin started with Satan. He was Lucifer. God didn't create evil. Not even a nod to God. God created Lucifer, a beautiful creature, and iniquity was found in him. And he fell and went from Lucifer to Satan, the dragon in the book of Revelation. And, and Isaiah 14, I don't know what time I started, so I'm going to try to sh shorten this. Uh, uh, Isaiah 14 talks about Satan or Lucifer's demise and his fall. And Isaiah quotes what Satan, who was Lucifer when he said it, said. And out of the many things he said, I will exalt my throne above the Most High God. One of the things that just paralyzed me in church as a teenager was the devil said, I will be like the Most High. And I was just, I was paralyzed because I, I thought, well, I've said that. I want to be like God. I want to be like Jesus. I know y'all never said that, so just relax. <laughs> and so I'm sitting there thinking, what is the deal here? See, Satan, in original sin, believed he could be like God without God. He thought he could be like God and no good, independent of God. And now he's reproducing original sin in Adam and Eve. And he's telling them, eat the tree, eat of the tree. Make this choice to know good and evil in disobedience to God. Watch our culture. Listen to our culture. They eat of the tree of the knowledge of good independent of God. They think they know good without God. They think they, they can do good without God. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 19 when a rich young ruler was seeking him for salvation. And he said, good master, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus said, why do you call me good? There's none good but God. Are y'all still out there? You are not good without God. You can't know good without God. You take God out of your life and you'll see how no good you really are. I see Christians all the time walk away from church, walk away from their Bibles. And it doesn't take them long to be acting just like anybody and everybody in the world. None of us are good without God. And the great awakening will be, we can't know good without God. What do you say, God? See, it wasn't that God didn't want them to know good and evil. He would have taught them good and evil. He didn't want them. To think they could know good without him. And this is the apple. This is the disobedience. Social justice. They think they're good. They think they're righteous. While they're burning the city down. While they're killing cops. This is what man without God looks like. And what he calls good. This is why AI will be so deadly and so dangerous and it's going to throw us all for a loop. Back to my article. I had talked about a marriage and that it was a husband and a wife. And when you run an article now through Word, that app, it, it, it corrects grammar. The computer corrects your grammar. Uh, it spell checks. Now they've introduced... Inclusion. And the computer changed husband and wife to spouse. Desecrating the mystery of the gospel. Husband and wife joined together, not spouses. Who do you think is going to program all these computers that are on the horizon? It's going to be the social tech gods from Silicon Valley that are already canceling everything we're saying, canceling and deplatforming us, trying to silence us, pushing us down. And the harder they push, people like, like Tim and, and Ashley and, and Steve, I mean, 
you push me under the water and I'm coming up with a blast <laughs> in time. You can't silence the church, but we can't sit here and sanction them silencing us either. Go to Hebrews chapter 4. You know what? Again, I wish I would have known what time. I don't see a clock. Uh, yeah, I've heard that before. <laughs> I was preaching in a church of, it was, it was only about 200 people. And we were, I was just getting after it. And they didn't, they didn't want me to quit. And so we took a vote. I literally said, look, I'll, I'll keep going. It's 200 people. I can outrun most of you. So how many of you want me to keep going? And it was 100%. And so I went another hour. And so I, I said, well, how many of you want to stay? And it was 100%. Over 200 people raised their hand, keep going. I went three hours. After three hours, I'm walking, and I'm making a comment. I didn't have my phone back then. It was my Bible. And, and the guy sitting right on the front row, I said, man, I don't want to end on a negative note. And he looked right up at me. He said, I don't care if it's negative or positive, just end. So I've been told before, keep going, but <laughs> let, me, let me challenge you. Go to 2 Thessalonians, some difficult things that, that Paul said. Eschatology is one of our, our Achilles heel in the church right now. And I have thoughts of my eschatology, but I don't want to be contentious about it. Uh, I'm very... I'm very bold about Jesus is coming back. Uh, we have to find consensus in the true church of the what I call the appearing of Jesus and his kingdom. And yet, lots of small wars are fought over pre-tribulation rapture, mid and post, and some of those other things. So I, I don't want to really go there. Uh, but this is fascinating to me. This is... This is Paul talking about the end of the end and the lawless one being revealed. The Antichrist. There's already Antichrist. If you can't see Antichrist. See, Antichrist is the woke movement. Antichrist is the good, the devil, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, appearing as a shining light, an angel of light. And then he says, don't be surprised if his ministers are ministers of righteousness. The devil's ministers will burn our cities down in the name of righteousness. Amen. He comes as an angel of light. And so he's talking about, I mean, the end of this thing. And just, oh, where do I jump in? Um, the Lord's going to consume him. With the breath of his mouth and destroy and destroy him with the brightness of his coming. Look at verse 9. The coming or the coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous, unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth. See, what's going to happen in our churches? that are part of a great awakening, that are part of a counterculture, they will love the truth. See, there's people deceiving our children, calling things love, and 1 Corinthians chapter 13 gives you 16 character traits of love. And verse says that God's love does not rejoice in iniquity. But it rejoices in the truth. And so we have the world over here saying, this is love. Young people, listen. This is love. They're rejoicing in iniquity. It's not love. It's not God's love. He says, they receive not the love of the truth. That they might be saved. The truth will save you. Amen. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion. That they should believe the lie that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Boy, Pastor Tim, he laid it out. What, 
What happened to preaching there is a heaven and there is a hell? People are going to hell, saints. Well, that's just your opinion. Hell is full of people that thought it was my opinion. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, these arguments are vain. They're empty. They're foolish. God, how much plainer can you get? But it says right toward the end of the end, God himself is going to give people over to deception, delusions. What could be left? If you don't think we're close, again, if you really don't know what a woman is, what greater delusion could you be given over to? That's how spooky this really is. What greater delusion? Either we're close to the end, or there's some things coming that the very elect, if that time wasn't shortened, could be deceived. That's why what we're doing is so important. We're not just filling up time. We care about you. God cares about you. You've got to get prepared to love the truth. Now go to Hebrews real quick, and I'll quit here. I've got one more session, so I'll just talk fast in the next one. How do we discern good and evil? We have two choices. We can eat of the tree of life that was in the garden, Jesus Christ and the cross. Or we can continue to follow as a subculture of the world and eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Trying to discern good independent of God. And it really is. I'm not doing a good job, but what I'm saying is very good. Because I'm traveling the world, but even the country, this is my country. And to see the deception of good people is scary. It's scary. Says if homosexuality is not a sin, what is? That's the whole point. If that's not a sin, why is that a sin? And who has the authority to say what is right and what is wrong? That's the war. Are we going to let the Supreme Court corrupt government, backslidden preachers, dead churches, dictate what's right or wrong to us? Or, or are we going to be in love with the truth? His name is Jesus. I'm going to eat of the tree of life. And every issue, I'm not going to be arrogant thinking, I know what good is. I only know good because of him who is good. And I'm going to ask him who is good, is that good? I'm going to humble myself. I'm not going to be arrogant like we see all around us. Don't tell me what's right or wrong. I know what's right or wrong. Wow. Wow. Hebrews chapter 4. Quick scripture. Verse 12. For the word of God is quick or living and powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and is the discerner. Everybody say discerner. Discerner. It's the discerner. God's word is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of your very heart. He's trying to show you the hardest thing in the universe to divide. The heart is the hardest thing on the planet to divide. The church hasn't even successfully divided it according to the Bible yet. Some of the rejection I got four decades ago from even word and faith churches was because God had shown me your heart is the combination of your spirit and your soul. And that sometimes in context in the Bible, your heart refers to your spirit Other times your heart in the Bible refers to your soul, your mind, your will, your thoughts, your emotions. And it's only God's word and God's word only that can divide your spirit and your soul. Your spirit and your soul are so one 
God's word is the only thing powerful enough to divide it. It'll divide joints from marrow. It'll divide your thoughts of your heart, that's your soul, from your intents of your heart. That's your spirit. Am I the only one that intended to do right, but somewhere between the intent and my dumb head, I did something stupid? (laughs) My heart was right. I intended to do what was right. I knew what was right. My spirit didn't mislead me. It was my unrenewed carnal mind. And only God's word can divide it. What's of my soul and what's of my spirit? In these last days, those who love the truth... John 17, 17, sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth. It's God's word that will separate the sheep from the goats in the end. It'll separate Antichrist from Christ. It's the only thing that can discern good and evil is God's word. You better sell out to God's word. I promise this is my last closing. (laughs) I did navigate our church and many churches through COVID. I actually had the privilege to be on the phone two weeks in the pandemic with President Trump and a few other pastors. And this thing started off even with him really concerned. And on the phone, he's talking to these pastors and myself. And, and, and he's saying, we really don't know what this is and what's going to happen. And uh, we may need your churches. The original thought, I closed my church down for two weeks. And the original thought was, we're being told there's going to be bodies in the streets. The hospitals are going to be overrun. Yeah. So we cleared out our church. And we're going to make it a hospital for the community. Because we're a church not in a community. We're a church for the community. And so we were going to be a hospital. And it didn't take two weeks for the Lord to show me this thing's going south fast. And it's not even about the pandemic anymore. And the offenses. And how people would listen to everybody as an expert. Dr. Death. Dr. Fauci is the same guy that one week says we should never, ever shake hands again. That we need to do away with this custom and and six foot social distancing. That's nowhere in the Bible. We're supposed to be greeting one another with a holy kiss. Amen. Yeah, but... I might make you even sick, Pastor. No, come kiss me. I'll make you healed. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I don't lay hands on the sick and I get sick. I lay hands on the sick and they recover. And so this guy's saying we shouldn't shake hands. Well, obviously, those in the woke movement attacked him quickly, privately, about casual sex. And he came out a week later and said, now casual sex, that's okay. In what, a hazmat suit? And we listen to these people. I come along and I'm the guy that's office rocker. I don't think so, saints. I don't think so. You can count on God and you need to build your house on the rock. And it's only going to stand when you hear God's word and do what God tells you. The vaccine mandate. I promised my third closing. This is it. I'm tired. I want to go home. How can the church sit here? And there's a vaccine mandate. They can't even hear me say it. People blinded by demonic powers in the church. People's ears that are stopped up literally by demons. They're stopped up. They can't hear. They just can't hear. And it didn't matter how many times I said vaccine mandate. If you want to take a vaccine, take a vaccine. That's between you and the Lord. Pray about it. Take the vaccine. 
We don't even have any data yet. People are dropping dead from this vaccine all around us. And the news is suppressed about it. And to have it mandated. And if you don't take the vaccine, you can't buy or sell. When was that said? Well, what's wrong with your ears and your eyes, dude? When they said, you're fired and you can't work unless you take this vaccine. That means you have to take a mark in your body to buy and to sell. And we thought it was about COVID-19 and health. And it was all about power. And it was all about silencing the church. And all about boiling the water for the Antichrist. And everybody just to yield, right? Oh, put any mark on. Put a chip in my hand. Put one in my brain. Right on my forehead. AI. Look at how we collapsed. Our churches at large collapsed. Thank God for the ones that didn't. There are are thousands of us that didn't. You don't hear about us. But how many did? Man, we need a counterculture. We need a revival. Father, in the name of the Holy Child Jesus, I continue to pray that you stretch forth your hand. That signs and wonders would be done. That we would discern. That we would be able to see. Give us eyes to see, O God. Give us ears to hear. I rebuke every demon within the sound of my voice that's blinding the minds of them. Lest the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ should shine unto them. Thank you, Father, that we were once under the control of the prince of the power of the air when we didn't know you. But we are no longer under his control. We are under the control of the Holy Spirit. And we refuse to be loyal to anyone but our husband, Jesus Christ. And I thank you for these precious people. Thank you for the courage to have me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I done preached myself happy. Go ahead. Thank you for being part of our podcast today. You'll find more online messages from Christian Ministries Church, as well as location information on our website at cmchurch.net. There's a place for you at Christian Ministries Church, where it's more than a church, it's family.